We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. And for a team that rarely wins, these Timberwolves have a just a hell of a way of making their losses almost feel better than their wins. Uh, if you missed the two-game road trip in Oklahoma City, uh, you missed some quintessentially Wolves weirdness. I mean, they they won on Friday night. And I think the just the grossest win I've seen since I've started covering this team three years ago. It was just a it was just a blah, you know, three point win on what should have been blah. I mean, DeAndre Russell hit a hit a game winner that felt I don't know, just like more. It was more like an exhale than it was something to celebrate. And then and then tonight, round two against the Thunder, it was the the one year anniversary of the DeAndre Russell trade. And, you know, naturally, D'Lo and Cat are both out for ambiguous and just kind of tanky reasons, which is also quintessentially Wolves. Um, but they went on to play their least inspired half of basketball that I can remember. I mean, the Wolves gave up 83 first half points tonight to arguably the, the tankiest team in the NBA. 83. The last time the Wolves gave up 83 points in a first half was was the first time they played Jimmy Butler after the Butler trade. I remember vividly, you know, being at that game in Philly and, and, you know, that one holds the mantle for the saddest and least prideful game I've ever witnessed in person. I mean, it was, I, I remember it was, I remember seeing Jimmy Butler in the hallway, give Ryan Saunders a like $10,000 bottle of wine. It was, it was Saunders's fourth game he'd ever coached as a head coach. And, and man, after watching the, the first half tonight, I thought this one, might have been Saunders's last. I mean, it was, it was, it was bad. It was a bad first half. But 
you know, because the Wolves are the Wolves. I mean, credit where it's due. You know, they they do weird stuff. And, of course, they start the third quarter on a 19-2 run. And they're right back in the game. You know, you got to give the players and Saunders credit for that. But then, you know, just like that, you realize the game is close. And you're like, oh, no, how are, how are they going to find a way to make this an even even more painful than a blowout? And then they did. Well, I mean, it was a good second half. They all do deserve credit. A, a blowout would have been worse. Would have been worse. But this this game was the way it ended. It was just more salt in the wound for a team that just consistently blows fourth quarter leads when they do get them. So you get credit for the comeback, but you know we can't brush over the breakdown late. So that's what we're going to do tonight. Um, we're going to start at the end of the game and kind of move our way back through the game, at least you know through the through the fourth quarter, which was which was kind of where this was was lost. Um, and we'll, we'll start with Nas Reed's missed last second shot. And, and I also want to talk about who was in the game there at the end and, and so forth. But let's start with that last play of the game. And it went to Nas Reed. They drew up a play, the final play of the game for Nas Reed, which, which sounds absolutely insane. I mean, Nas was an undrafted free agent a year ago. And, and now with a real NBA game on the line on a real NBA team, which the Wolves kind of are, I mean, th- his team's running late game offense through him in the post, the post, a post up in 2021. Remember how it used to be like impossible to get cat feeds on the block at the end of games. Cause he was a center. But what happened to that? I mean, what they, they got it to not to Nas tonight. And, and the most insane part is that Nas absolutely felt like the right move, you know, to be the guy that they were running, you know, running their offense through Nas had 21 points in the second half alone. He was just absolutely destroying the Thunder inside. Part of that had to do with Al Horford resting tonight, and then you know Mike Muscala got hurt, so they didn't really have other bigs to guard him. And and you know because of that, they just started switching every screen. Um, and on the last play of the game, the Wolves took advantage of that. They they knew they were switching everything. So Anthony Edwards, who was being guarded by Shea Gilders Alexander, he set a back screen for Nas, and. And because Shea was guarding Ant, that meant Shea was switched on to Nas on the block. That hard to ask for a better option for a two-pointer than that, a post-up of your center on the other team's point guard. I mean, Saunders said in his post-game that he loved the look because it was ultimately a layup against the switch. And he said there were options out of it for Nas to pass out, but, um, you know, they did get a layup. I would say it was a tough layup, but, you know, point taken. I mean, not Nas got a good look and I, I asked him a little about because because Saunders spoke first and, and talked about the, the play so I asked Nas after the game what his options were there on the catch and then why he ultimately you know chose to take the shot and, and what he saw there Nas Ryan said that um when he got you the ball there in that spot that, that you had a couple of different reads to to play out of there what one being obviously what you did going to the basket and another being a kick like what what is what, how, how did you read that out right there and decide that it was your shot? I kind of just thought, like, you know, had, I think I had Shea Gilders on me. Um, he's a smaller defender. Uh, you know, I just wanted to try to finish over him like I've been doing the whole game. I mean, I'm very unselfish, so it's not like I, you know, I took the shot as it and, you know, it was whatever. But if I had seen or thought the the play could have been uh, good for somebody else, I would definitely pass the ball as I done plenty of times before but I just felt like you know I had a small defender on me defender on me and I've been doing the same thing all game with with the small defenders on me so 
Now, if you go back and watch the play, there weren't really options out of it. I mean, maybe they were drawn up, but, you know, the, the five guys on the floor, Rubio, Beasley, Nas, Edwards, and Lehman, and Rubio's the inbounder, so he's kind of out of it. Malik was trying to cut up, you know, at the top of the play, so he he's out of it once the ball is um, in Nas's hands. So, so then you're kind of left with, with Lehman, who was in the corner, but he was guarded. So really the only other option Nas had, if you go back and watch the play, was a kick out, in theory, to Edwards. The problem is, is that after Edwards set that screen for Nas to get the switch, he just stood there. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't flare out, you know, above the break. If he would have, he would have, I mean, Ant would have been wide open for a, th- a three on the wing, but he did stay at the elbow. So if I'm Nas, then yeah, that was, it was a hundred percent the move after you've caught the ball there with Shea on you to go and, you know, and, and take it to the basket. It, it wasn't a bad shot. It, it just didn't fall. I think if we're, if we're trying to nitpick things from the end of this game, which I think feels fair to do, I mean, the Wolves were up with five and a half minutes left in the game when Saunders went to the closing lineup of Nas, Lehman, Edwards, Beasley, and Rubio. So I want to talk about the decision there to close with Rubio and the other decision to not bring Jaden McDaniels back into the game there too. But first, we're going to take a quick break. What's up, everybody? We have something to tell you about here at Blue Wire, and that is that we love sports betting. And whether you've been betting for a while or you're thinking about getting started, we want to let you know uh, great resources for sports bettors, and that's the Action Network. The Action Network is where sports fans go to bet smarter and experience real financial gains. In fact, their Action Network app was recently named the best app in sports betting. And with an Action Network Pro subscription, you can unlock the very best of the app. When you sign up, for an Action Pro, Action Network Pro subscription, you can access the Pro Report, which includes expert projections for every game. You can see money and bet percentages on every game. You can see the teams professional gamblers are betting on. You can take advantage of Pro Systems, which match winning historical betting trends with the latest games and lines. You can track every bet you make and get alerts in real time. So if you're looking to bet smarter, an Action Network Pro subscription is the way to get started. For a limited time, our listeners can receive 50% off an annual pro subscription. Just go to actionnetwork.com and receive 50% off an annual subscription when you use the code MORE50, M-O-O-R-E-5-0. This offer won't last, so go to actionnetwork.com to sign up for a pro subscription and use promo code MORE50 to receive 50% off and start betting smarter today. Okay, so like I said, Saunders' closing five was Nas, Lehman, Edwards, Beasley, and Rubio. And I think for anyone listening to, to this, you know, the two questionable names here are Lehman and Rubio, right? And in, in the moment, I remember putting this down in my notes, it was it was pretty incredible to me that McDaniels wasn't in for Lehman. And and then also just the, the fact that Rubio was out there at all. Um, you know, I was probably thinking that they go with J-Mac, um, thinking that would have been more effective. But I, I just think, I think in a game that was discombobulated, you didn't have to, you didn't have to go with your set starters, your, your, the the closing lineup you predetermined. Um, I, I think I think Ryan had the freedom to choose who whoever he wanted there. Your starters can't pout about not closing that game after what they did in the first half. And you know, to be fair to Saunders, he did roll with the hot hand of Layman, who who was having a great second half. 
obviously Lehman isn't a starter. He isn't normally in those times. And, and Lehman played the whole fourth quarter. He had, he had 10 points and four steals in the fourth quarter alone. But at the time, I thought in the moment, you know, when there's five, six minutes left in the game, I thought on prior precedent and just what he was doing in the, the first three quarters that McDaniels was the better option to close there. Getting McDaniels, again, led the team in plus-minus tonight. But like I said, like I don't know if this is the specific thing to question because Lehman did play well. He played as well down the stretch as you would have hoped that McDaniels would have in that spot. So I'm not faulting that move. What is maybe questionable, I think, is not having them both out there. And I'll get to my thoughts on that in a second, but it did sound post-game like Saunders felt that he had to choose between one of Lehman and McDaniels. Yeah, Ryan, related to that with 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 Jaden and, and there's been there's been other games too where you've prioritized maybe some of the older players playing at the end of the game there. Is the is the idea kind of wanting to have the control there, or maybe that you just have more trust in some of the more veteran players, whether it's Rick, you know, Ricky in the San Antonio yeah. game or Jake tonight? Yeah, yes and no. I mean, I you know, it's, I don't I don't look at guys' ages, you know, when I, you know, put them put them, you know, out there at the end of games, but um I mean, uh, you know, I think that three guys could have played in that spot at the end, Jaden, J- Jalen Noel or, or Jake. Um, so, you know, I, you know, you, you make a decision, and, but I don't think the going with, with Jake Lehman, you know, it, it was the deal breaker by any means. Again, I, I agree. I definitely don't think that closing with Lehman costs on the game. Far from it. What I do wonder is if having two of those three guys he listed, Lehman, McDaniels and Noel, if having two of them out there, rather than just one would have maybe broke the deal the other way. You know, what if the what if the Wolves would have just closed the game with no point guard? I mean, yeah, maybe McLaughlin would have been better than Rubio, but McLaughlin, you know, I mean, he's rusty. He's not playing most of these games. He didn't have a good game tonight. He was McLaughlin was one of six from the field, had some uncharacteristic turnovers. I just, you know, sit with hindsight, I sit here and I wonder, you know, why did you just make Ant the point guard down the stretch? I mean, with the way they were closing the game with both Lehman and, you know, Lehman and McDaniels out there, and you could still have Beasley, Edwards, and Nas out there too, the way they were closing the game, I mean, you didn't need a real point guard out there to get you into your offense. The Wolves weren't really running offense. They were just going Nas every time, which was smart. They were attacking that mismatch, and he was killing it. Every possession, they weren't – this wasn't a set. You don't need a point guard for that. I mean, it was just post-entry passes. And Ant was the one who was delivering the majority of those anyways, even when Rubio was in there with him. I just think you have better scoring options out there at the end of the game if Rubio isn't in there. If, if Nas needs to pass out of the post if he gets double teamed or something, I mean, I, I want that kick out for a three to be to Lehman or McDaniels before I want it to be to Rubio, right? And if it's a kick out or you need to isolate, I want it to be for Edwards or Beasley over Rubio. So why, why is he in there? And this is this is just a different like this is a different way to say what I was saying after the San Antonio game and after the first OKC game. Like, what purpose is Rubio serving out there at the end of games? In those in those games that Delo played, I mean, Ricky's like point being the point guard. It's neutered the value there because Delo is the point guard in those lineups. And then tonight, the value just wasn't there either, given what they were running. And if the last straw is the fact that, you know, Ricky's a mature player and a good decision maker, well, 
even that it looks to be very theoretical this year. I mean, that's not proven out. Rubio is turning the ball over at an insane rate this year. I, you know, I, I grant that this comes with the benefit of hindsight, but I do believe that closing with Nas, McDaniels, Lehman, Beasley, and then Ant at point guard, I believe that was the best option for this one. Moving back a little further in the game, I, I do think another reason to have McDaniels out there would be for his defense. I mean, on the other side of the floor, Shea Gilgis-Alexander was absolutely eating him up because they just had no defensive answers for him. A big part of that was because if you didn't watch the game, maybe you didn't notice that Josh Okoge was moved out of the starting lineup tonight and almost out of the rotation completely. And that I'm not saying that wasn't justified. I mean, Okoge has been a major offensive liability last year, but with Okoge not out there, you got to understand that that totally changes the dynamics of the defense for this team. Prior to this demotion, Okoge's minutes had been matched up directly with the opponent's best wing creator. You know, from Trey Young in the Atlanta games to John Morant to Blake Griffin, whoever the main guy was that teams run their offense through on the wing, Okoge would be guarding them. So tonight, that would have been Shea. But now with Josh demoted, the Wolves, you know, they had to find a different option. And interestingly, you know, Saunders, he told us before the game that Josh was going to be moved to the bench. So, So I... I asked him then pregame what, you know, who kind of takes on that role of point of attack defender. And, and, and Saunders said then before the game that Ant had been improving there, so they were going to go with him on Shea. And if you watched the first half, you saw that there was no ball containment in the first half. And, you know, they, they, missed, they missed that Okogi archetype out there to at least slow things down. But it was most glaring in the fourth quarter when Shea got whatever he wanted out of the pick-and-roll game because Edwards was on him. And Jace Frederick of the Pioneer Press and Ant had a little back-and-forth about this post-game. And Ant defends himself but also highlights what the, you know, what the real issue is here. So here's what Ant had to say. We came out, I just felt like we wasn't ready to play as far as defensively. We, wasn't, we just wasn't ready defensively. And then you get that matchup with SGA um, and down the stretch, and it maybe didn't always go your way, but are those the kind of matchups that you want, especially as you move forward here in your career? You said maybe that didn't go my way. Uh, well, he, I mean, he he got some buckets late. On me or off a of ball screen? Yeah, I mean, the ball screen is evolved for sure. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure if you go watch the tapes, uh, when he tried to ISO me, he would come and see he couldn't go and go backwards. And didn't call for a ball screen. So, I mean, you can't – it's hard to go guard ball screens in the NBA, you, you know. It's a lot of communication, lack of communication. So, but as far as me just taking a matchup and one-on-one, and yeah, I, I love matchups like that because if he want to go one-on-one all night, and I'm here for it. See, the problem here is that SGA is always going to seek out the ball screen if he needs it. And so against the ball screen, the point of attack defender's job is not to shut down the action and go one-on-one with him. The the job in the defensive scheme, if you're on the ball and a screen is coming, is to filter the ball handler to the big and then to rear view contest the shot. And while Edwards is right. He's a, he is a solid de- isolation defender. You know, one-on-one, he's that little brick wall. But he's not a good rear view contester. He's not good at, at defending the point of attack in a drop scheme. I mean, this, this year, Edwards has allowed 1.3 points per possession on the on the 49 pick and rolls he's defended this season according to synergy that second percentile in the nba is as bad as it gets 
That's why Josh Okogie and Jerk Culver are normally the best options on the team there. That's why they normally and rightfully go with those guys defending a Shea Gilders Alexander. But with Culver out and Okogie rightfully demoted, the options become limited, particularly limited in that closing group that Saunders had out there. And I think that this is yet another case for playing McDaniels at the end of that game. McDaniels has gotten reps, you know, playing that point of attack defender role, being the guy that Saunders puts out on the opponent's, you know, best wing option. It would just, that wouldn't have been, this wouldn't have been some like out of nowhere defensive counter to put McDaniels in and have him guard Shea. They do that. And I, I think McDaniels would have been a better option than Edwards tonight down the stretch. I, I did ask McDaniels about playing that role after the game and also just commented on how you know, he played a ton of center tonight. And that's just that's just crazy uh, with, with who McDaniels is. So this is what McDaniels had to say after the game. He, he's starting to talk a little bit more after the games. I like it. Jaden Ryan's talked about how um, when you're playing a lot of the time, you're going to kind of need to be that main defender on the wing guard in there, you know, their best wing option. And one, I guess I'm just curious what that, you know, what that challenge is like. And then two, um, when, when you're doing that and you're playing power forward, is that, um, or center, is that, is that more tricky than it sounds or easier than it sounds? Or is that tricky? Like just the, the scramble there? I would say it's just kind of having a mindset and then them knowing, like going through prep, knowing who, what your player does, I would say just keep that mindset of just keeping your dude in front and then knowing that you have help having guys on your back with like my teammates. So just keeping that mindset and then just knowing it's positionless basketball now. So shoot, I was playing the five today, you know, you got to do what you can do to help the team win. Did you think that when you were drafted a couple months ago that you'd be playing center in the NBA in February? Uh, nah, but I know like at times like situations like this game that it could possibly happen. Like I've played it before a previous game. So just kind of learning, shoot, I could play whatever position, to be honest. Said it after both of the last two games, man. It's time to start this kid. He not only is performing in a bench role, but what he does fits the needs of what this team needs in their starting group. It's time. And Cat, McDaniels, Edwards, Beasley, D'Lo. That's got to be the group. That's all I got for you tonight. Happy Super Bowl Sunday. No Wolves wildness to distract you. Um, enjoy it, and I'll be back to talk with you after the Dallas game on Monday night. Until then, I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you dancing like no.